This is Adam Hill, minister of the Word at Rochester Church of Christ. Today is a great day to study the Bible. As you listen to today's message, I pray that you're blessed as we study God's Word together. Good morning. Oh, my, uh, my son Daniel is nine years old and He's learning about uh, being nervous, as humans are. And so uh, we've uh, taken to telling Daniel, whenever he says he feels nervous, uh, I've said, Daniel, you know, uh, feeling excited and feeling nervous are the same thing. They feel the same way. I said, it's just a matter of, of your mind, right? So whenever he says, I feel nervous, I say, no, buddy, you feel excited, right? You just feel excited. Uh, so, uh, I want to tell you here this morning that I feel really excited, <laughs> really excited uh, to, uh, to preach to you this morning, and I, I don't want to start this without um, telling you why this is so special for me. I came into this church for the first time as an 18-year-old college freshman in August 1994. I walked through those doors on a Sunday morning, and I was blown away by this church. I grew up in a small town, uh, grew up in a church where the, the men came in their coveralls straight from the farm uh, to worship service. My dad was the preacher, so I had to listen to my dad preach every Sunday my entire uh, life up to that point. And I came into this church, and I was blown away by this big city church. And uh, the most impressive thing about this congregation to me was uh, the man who that Sunday morning was standing right about on this spot right here. Uh, this stage used to be a lot smaller. Uh, his name was Jerry Tallman. And uh, to me, Jerry looked like what a preacher was supposed to be. He had the look, he had the voice, uh, and I just really looked up to Jerry Tallman. Didn't get to know him while I was in college, because uh, I was kind of in awe. But then later on, when I came back to work at the college, uh, Jerry took me under his wing, and we spent a lot of time together. And so this is a really special morning for me because I get to stand where Jerry Tolman used to stand. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for my, uh, my family, my dad the preacher and my grandfather the preacher. So uh, this is a, a very humbling experience. I'm thankful to you for giving me the opportunity to preach the gospel to you this morning. Uh, before I do that, however, I've asked uh, Patty Genema to come up and pray that uh, your ears and eyes and hearts will be open to the gospel today. And right after uh, Patty prays for us all, then Amanda Knox is going to read our scripture for the day. Will you pray with me? Dear God, thank you so much for letting us be part of this uh, worship gathering together as friends, family, and brothers and sisters in, in you. And we are thankful for this time. Um, this is the part of the week where as a group of people, we try to focus in on you. So um, we humbly ask as a family, we ask you, Lord, to be with us. Um, we are very aware that Satan is after us in all of our little weaknesses, crevices, cracks. And we know Satan wants us, but we know you want us more. So please give us the ears to hear, the mouth to speak your truth with so much love, and um, have our hearts sealed 
with you, Lord, for your courts above. So we pray for this time together to strengthen ourselves and strengthen each other and be with Brad, help him to remember um, all the things he's studied and um, be with him through his excitement. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's reading is coming from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. If you would all please stand for the reading of God's word. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, whiter, I lost my place, whiter as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. The word of the Lord. Please have a seat. All right, show of hands. How many of you have been to Washington, D.C.? All right, a lot of you. How many of you have not been to Washington, D.C.? All right, how many of you who went to Washington, D.C. saw monuments while you were there? Okay, for those of you who haven't been to Washington, D.C., how many of you know that there are monuments there? (laughs) Right on. You go to Washington, D.C. to see monuments. There are a lot of monuments in Washington, D.C. Actually, you know what? If somebody's already got their phone out and is surfing the net, um, (laughs) ask Google real quick. How many monuments are there in Washington, D.C.? I'm curious. How many, <laughs> whatever, can somebody find that real quick? Participation here. Hey, Google, how many monuments in Washington, D.C.? Oh, y'all are good. Not very good at doing research, but really good. All right. I, I actually looked this up a couple weeks ago. Uh, There you go, okay. Um, More than 160 monuments. 160 monuments in Washington, D.C. Raise your hand if you know what all of them are. Really? Raise your hand if you've been to all of them. Okay, that's a lot of monuments, uh, 160 monuments. I, I don't even know what all those are. I have been to Washington, D.C. a couple of times, and I've seen quite a few monuments while I was there. And anybody who has been uh, to Washington and seen some monuments, you probably have a couple that are your favorite that really made an impression on you. Um, for me, one of my lasting memories of, of Washington, D.C. is when I visited the Washington Monument. How many of you have been to the Washington Monument? Uh, I went at dusk, and I, uh, I was standing at the top of those, those tall white stairs, uh, right about at the same spot that Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, stood uh, when he gave his I Have a Dream speech. And uh, I looked out over the reflecting pool, and the sun was kind of setting behind the Lincoln Memorial. And uh, it was casting these colors, uh, g- blue 
and, and gold and indigo and orange and pink, casting these colors on the reflecting pool and on the white monuments. And I was uh, kind of caught up in the moment. It was magical. It was as if everything was transfigured there uh, by, this, by this light. And I got kind of deep and I started thinking real deep and I, and I wondered, what would Lincoln and Washington think of us if they could come back and see us now, right? I started thinking if, if Washington and Lincoln were here, what would they say to us? What would they tell us to do? Have you ever thought that way before? What if our, our monument men came back? Have you ever wished the monument men would come back and tell us what to do that we could, so we could listen to them? Well, the bad news is that the monument men are not coming back. Um, but I have even more bad news. That, that is, there are plenty of people who are alive today who want to tell us what the monument men would say if they were here. They claim to know what the monument men meant. And so we have to listen to uh, politicians and pundits and presidents and sometimes preachers claim to know what the monument men meant. And that gets confusing and frustrating for us sometimes, doesn't it? I have some uh, uh, photographs, just to show you what I mean, I have some photographs that we're going to scroll up on the screen uh, behind me here. And as you look at these photographs, I want you to see if you can figure out what does each one of these photographs have in common, other than the fact that the president knows every one of them. See if you can pick out what these photographs have in common. Okay, former president behind. And every one of these pictures of the president, what do you see? Okay, you see Lincoln or Washington behind the president or beside the president in each one of these shots. Um, I had a college professor who was a speechwriter in the White House, and one day in class he showed us some uh, photographs just like these, and he asked us, well, uh, what do you notice, like I just did, and then he asked, do you think it's a coincidence that Lincoln and Washington show up in all of these photographs of the president? What do you think? Is it a coincidence? <laughs> you see, you're pretty smart, right? He said, no, it's not a coincidence. These photographs are staged. The president is speaking in front of Lincoln and Washington on purpose. And what do you think that purpose is? Okay. All right. The purpose is that when the president speaks, he wants you to listen to him. And he wants you to believe him. And so if he stands with an image of Lincoln or Washington behind him, he's communicating a nonverbal message, and that is, I stand with Lincoln and Washington, or Lincoln and Washington stand with me. I'm with the monument men, and the monument men are with me, so listen to me. Listen to the president. It's done on purpose. Now, this gets very confusing. Because if you know anything about uh, these men, you know that some of them are Democrats and some of them are Republicans. 
you know that uh, some of these men, their person, they have about as much in common as a goldfish and a wolverine, okay? Um, you know that the, the opinions and values of these men differ greatly. And so it gets confusing because you know, because you have common sense that the monument men can't possibly agree with all of these presidents, can they? They can't possibly speak for the monument men. And so we get confused and frustrated in these dark, depressing, chaotic, confusing, discouraging times where the world seems to be going wrong and our politicians and our pundits and our presidents and sometimes our preachers claim to speak for the monument men and they want us to listen to them and yet we grow more and more confused as we listen to them and more discouraged. And it's in times like those that we may wish that our monument men would come back <laughs> so that we could listen to them. Peter, James, and John were not much different from us. And they lived in times that were no different from the times in which we live. Peter, James, and John lived among people who were also trying to figure out how to survive in a dangerous world, in a scary world, in a world that was going wrong. And they had monument men as well. Moses and Elijah were their two most important monument men. And just like us, they wished that their monument men would come back so they could listen to them, so they could tell them what to do. And just like in our own times, Peter, James, and John lived in times where there were plenty of people who claimed to speak for the monument men. They had politicians and pundits and preachers and prophets and priests and professors who all claimed to speak for those monument men and they wanted the people to listen to them and do what they told them to do. But the problem in those times, just like the problem is in our own times, is that those people did not agree with each other. In fact, they tried to use the memory of the monument men to get people to listen to them so that they could gain power for themselves. And we've heard of some of those groups before, Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, Herodians, Zealots. Um, you can probably name a few more. And so Peter, James, and John were living through the same feelings that we may have these days, where they didn't know who to listen to, they didn't know who to follow, and they may have just wished that their monument men would come back so they could listen to them. In fact, that's why Peter, James, and John started following Jesus in the first place. Because in Jesus, they found someone who they thought could finally teach them what the monument men meant. In fact, in Jesus, they found someone who was closer to a living monument man than anyone they'd ever met in their lives. And so they started following Jesus everywhere. And then, one day... Jesus made their dreams come true. And we heard this story just now. He took them up on a high mountain. And while he was on that high mountain with them, he was transfigured before them. But not only that, but the monument men came back. 
There they were alive again, Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. And Peter, (laughs) they were all overwhelmed, but Peter is the one who normally speaks. And you can kind of catch the vibe from Peter as he stands there and he finally sees the monument men back in the flesh with their very own teacher, Jesus. And he's like, oh, thank God. Yes, you're back. Moses and Elijah, we've been waiting for you. We've been wishing for you to finally come back and tell us what to do so that we can listen to you, our monument men. Oh, it's a good thing we're here. Let us build some new monuments for you right here and now. One for you, Moses. One for you, Elijah. And and Jesus, our teacher, will build you a monument as well. But before Peter can even get the words out of his mouth, the lights go off. And a voice speaks. And this is what the voice says of Jesus. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. If you believe it, say it with me. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Pages are stuck together. The bad news is that our monument men are not coming back. And even if they did, they would still only be monument men. The good news is that God is giving us not another monument man, but his beloved son. The bad news is that politicians and presidents and pundits And sometimes preachers are blind guides who neither have salvation nor the words of life that we should listen to them. But the good news is that God is giving us his beloved son who can save and who does have the words of life. The good news is that we don't have to be confused and lost and upset anymore. We don't have to be afraid anymore. We don't have to wonder anymore. May the monument men and the politicians and the pundits and the presidents all disappear. And may we see only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. This morning, a voice speaking to us. And he's saying, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Will we? Thank you for listening to the Rochester Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. 
Our hope is that it was a blessing to you. If you would like someone to study with or pray with, do not hesitate to reach out to us through our website, rochestercoc.org. Remember, you are loved and you are chosen.